0: Good morning. Joining me from somewhere near Heartland, Minnesota, our good friend, Mr. Al Batt. Hey, Al. How you doing?
1: I am doing swell. Uh, I Before I forget, because I always forget to thank people. and My mom always said you can never thank people too much. I'd like to thank, and I, I know some of them are listening because they said they were going to be, so that's why I better thank them. Uh, all the good folks at Decorah Public Library and what a beautiful part of the world Decorah, Iowa is. Uh, Luther College down there and the Seed Savers Farm. Uh, folks, if you're into gardening, uh, you, you got to get the Seed Savers at one time or another. But I love libraries and I love all the good folks that were there, so it was fun. And also, this away is away, but some of them were uh, asked for information about KMSU, so they're going to listen. At the Topeka Audubon Society at their 75th anniversary in the beautiful state of Kansas. Wow. Yeah, it was fun uh, Fun being down there and talking to those good folks. And I went birding with them and just had a really nice time.
0: So. Did you see anything unusual or exceptional?
1: Uh, nothing. Uh, I guess it, there was no snow there, of course, whatsoever. And in a, they would love to have had snow because they're in a drought um, there was um you know nobody out in the field doing anything. Um, the fox sparrows were singing up a storm. I uh, led a field trip, and they had not uh, heard fox sparrows singing down there before, so it was kind of fun to get to point that out to them
0: well you know speaking of snow we had a lot of snow this past weekend and the trees it was just being in a magical wonderland how they were just coated and covered and i especially noticed the black birds it was a black birds, and then there was crows and other birds with with dark colorings they were just stood out i know somewhere on top of uh, perched atop top of those beautiful trees that were covered with snow and it just was such a, a beautiful stark difference between the black and then the whites it was just amazing
1: and on the way back, I did not see any snow till I got to Des Moines. And then there were just little remnants of snow that hadn't melted yet in some of the shaded areas, maybe along a wooded edge or something. Then I got to Huxley, which is uh, south of Ames by the Huxley exit. All of a sudden, there was all kinds of snow, and there were cars and ditches and semis and ditches. Uh, On the way down there to Kansas, it it rained really hard in Huxley, so I'm assuming they had a nice icy pavement there that the snow fell upon and really made uh, made a mess for everybody. So, I, I, you know, I drive by those things and uh, you see some of them are smashed up pretty good, and you always think, boy, I hope that person's okay. That was a that was a tough crash right there. It, the Waseka Experiment Station, I had to look something up because I thought last year, according to my notes, they said frost was out of the ground on March 20th last really? year.
0: Well, you know, I think it was earlier, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, so we're not going to make that this year. I think frost right around here is probably 19 inches deep this year or something like that.
0: Well, Barb Lamson and, on our gardening show was talking about how she had read or heard that it was going to be a later spring than we been accustomed to the last couple of years so gardeners just be patient.
1: Yes that's right I, I see uh, the lake so many of the lakes around here are still ice covered yes but wet farm fields the one next to my house was entertaining swans, canadas, redheads, bluebills, mallards. They were a noisy bunch so I am seeing a lot of waterfowl in small uh, vernal ponds temporary ponds so uh, nice thing to see. And just past the middle of the March uh, of this of this month was when I saw a groundhog and chipmunks active in my yard. And I watched a male cardinal feeding his mate, and I saw a male blue jay do the same for his. And those are pair bonding exercises. And I spotted an American kestrel hovering over a road ditch. They're my favorite raptor. And it faced into the wind, flapped its wings, and adjusted its tail to remain in place. And I thought maybe it was hunting or something, but later I saw a pair mating on a utility wire right in that area. So perhaps he was just showing off his flight skills. Or a trapeze for a, artist, maybe? <laughs> yep. He was just saying, look at me. And I watched a mauled eagle the other day flying high over a road, and the eagle was carrying a stick. It was a pretty big stick, and a bald eagle will lug a stick up to a mile to its nest, and I've heard of an eagle carrying a five-foot-long branch. Wow. And I'm seeing a lot of house sparrows. I know everybody sees them, but I see them here and there, and I don't have the dislike of house sparrows. I I like them. Uh, Once common birds in London and associated with the word cock. Cockney Sparra, S-P-A-R-R-A, I think is how I'd spell it if I had to spell it. But they are now essentially extinct from central London, and they blame cats, air pollution, pesticides uh, are, are what being blamed. I would think loss of habitat, even though they adapt so well to humans, probably plays a small part there as well.
0: See, I was coming back from the lake house, Lake Washington, the other night, and I saw, I thought it was a beaver, but could a beaver be out, or was it a possum? It just had, it was kind of a little hunched-up thing, and I, I honked at it. It was so small, and at first I thought, is that a beaver? But I don't think beavers would be out. Could it have been a possum? It was just something odd-looking.
1: It would more than likely be a muskrat.
0: Oh, wait a minute. Of- what are their tails look like?
1: Oh kind of rat like
0: Oh yep then it was a muskrat. I guess I really hadn't seen one for so long but I mean the the uh, lake is still really frozen but it came from the side of the road where it's kind of swampy type Um, grass or reeds or whatever they call that stuff so what would he be doing he was crossing the road to get to the other side of course but I was just wondering why he was going from the the swamp and then he ran across because I honked at him and there was somebody had a fence and he boom right in the fence and fell backwards it was kind of funny and
1: oh (laughs) man you'll have a story to tell yeah and then this large thing made some odd sound at me they um they build their nests their nests, their houses where they live uh spend the winter, and they don't um they don't cache food, they don't collect food like beavers do oh. so they go they have a, a door coming out of the basement of their muskrat house, and they go out and they gather food up to eat well, sometimes about this time of year, they've kind of run out of food, so oh. we start seeing muskrats moving around because they're driven by hunger to find some food. So we see them crossing roads. We see them in places where they shouldn't be. Uh, when we are milking cows, uh, one year we had one would come in the barn oh, every really? so often and just kind of stagger through. And what do they eat? Mainly vegetation of various kinds. So this guy came in and was eating some alfalfa (laughs) and things, you know, which was really, I don't imagine that was a typical part of his diet, but who knows. First, we were kind of worried that maybe he had some illness or something. Rabies
0: is what I always thought, because I said when wild animals come close like that, you should be concerned maybe they're rabid, that they're not afraid of people. So that would have been my first thought.
1: Yeah, he just wandered in and... the cats, the barn cats, would spit at him and yeah. <laughs> have a hissy fit with their back raised like a Halloween cat, and he just ignored them and went over and ate a little hay, and then he'd leave. and Oh, he he must have came back ten times. Oh, wow! Dad, dad, dad got the biggest kick out of that. You know, he said it kind of broke up. You know, he loved milking cows, but there was a little bit of monotony involved in it because you did the same thing over and over. So anytime you do repetitive work, there's a little monotonous. So he kind of liked that, the visit by the muskrat. So
0: what are muskrats good for? I mean, I've seen them swimming around and things, and I just wonder, are are they good for the environment? Do they get other bad pests or anything, or what do they do?
1: And muskrats, of course, for humans were often used as uh, furs of one kind or another. So there was a lot of people that would trap. And in the book uh, uh, by Sherry Register, Sherry just passed away, sadly, uh, the book The Big Marsh was talked about how um, those marshes were so dependent. uh, People were so dependent on those marshes for hunting, for fishing. And when they drained them to turn them into farmland, there was a lot of protest. And on our farm here is a Mule Lake, and the same thing happened there. Uh, 1914, there were people carrying protest signs that we need We need these marshes. And I'm sure some of them were thinking ahead uh, that they wanted them because marshes are hold water, and do a lot of things that we really, uh, really need. But muskrats were very important to people back then. Uh, Mink were another one. Uh, Their furs, of course, were even more, more important uh, to hunters and trappers than were muskrats. But when I was a kid, boy, there was a lot of people that trapped muskrats, and quite a few of them made them a decent living, or I shouldn't say living, but a decent income, uh, addition to their income, by trapping these things. So it's that's probably, they've also been a food resource. Uh, I don't think I've ever...
0: People eat muskrat?
1: Yeah, I'd oh. always heard the story about uh, somewhere in Michigan or something that allowed Catholics to consume muskrats as their Friday penance.
0: Oh my and
1: on Ash Wednesday and Lenten Fridays, but I don't know if that was uh, true. I looked it up, I remember once, and they said it was indeed true, Mm -hmm. but I I can't imagine that. That that would be real good, but maybe if you get enough gravy (laughs) on it. But I wore, boy, did I wear a muskrat hat one day, but they will eat corn and other farm and garden crops if they grow near the body of water. So they um, their burrowing will damage dikes and levees in some places. So they they will cause a little bit of problem, but uh, we never have enough of them around here to be any concern, I don't think.
0: One more thing for me to worry about eating my garden plants now. <laughs> that's
1: right, yeah. If you see some muskrat houses there, there's always that possibility. And I saw a groundhog in the yard here before the snow. And, of course, that's another thing that we'll love to garden produce of pretty much any kind. I birded in Minnesota, Iowa, Missouri and Kansas on March 25th. One day I birded in four states. I saw meadowlarks in all four states and I saw you know the western meadowlark. In Kansas they have the western meadowlark. It's there pretty much all winter. You can see western meadowlarks will stay here and there. It is the state bird of Kansas, and it was decided by a vote of over 121,000 schoolchildren. Uh, 48, 43,000. I'm going to remember it right. 43,895, I believe they told me, were the votes that were cast for the meadowlark. And the bobwhite finished second, and the cardinal was third. Uh, Chad Hines on March 20th said he was over at Medelia, Watanwan WPA, Lincoln WPA, saw several rough-legged hawks, a flock of 1,000 Lapland longspurs, a great horned owl, killdeer, greater white-fronted geese, cackling goose, snow goose, tundra swan, and northern pintail. Said Watanwan WPA had some open water. Also had several flocks of blackbirds, robins, and a single brown-headed cowbird. At uh, Maple River, WMA, Ross's geese, greater white-fronted geese, and Canada geese with killdeer, American kestrel. In Mapleton, Eurasian collared dove, Cobb River, WPA. So that was pretty quiet, as was uh, Perch Lake, but there were lots of waterfowl around Perch Lake because the south end is somewhat open. He said uh, down at the south end there, there was common merganser, common goldeneye, ring duck, lesser scop, redhead, trumpeter swan, Canada goose, and American coot. He said a small flock of canvasbacks did a flyby. There were ring-billed and herring gulls, uh, bald eagles. And then he said just west of Cortland, he saw several swans in fields as well as Canada geese some ducks, and another lone killdeer. Tim Poulos said on March 20th, Chris Thame, John Frentz, and I toured Blue Earth County around Minnesota Lake and Lura Lake, had 40 species of birds for the day. We saw about 5,000 white-fronted geese, eight tundra swans, six snow geese, and two cackling geese. They said a strange sighting was 22 bald eagles feasting on a large pile of dead pigs. Oh my. next to a containment facility out in the country. A dreary day made for great birding. The lakes are still frozen, but the fields are full of open water. Another highlight was a flock of 19 sandhill cranes flying low over our parked vehicle. In good thunder, the Eurasian collared doves seem to be taking over the town, especially around the school. Last Friday, John and I saw a flock of 60 to 70 red poles by the cemetery in Minnesota Lake. I also went to the cemetery just south of St. James where there had been white-winged crossbills seen but struck out.
0: You know, isn't it funny how the the big places to see birds are cemeteries and sewer ponds? What's that about?
1: It's because of uh, food. It's just great places. And then cemeteries have some beautiful uh, trees. Uh, I see turkey vultures. They... They roost in cemeteries a lot, which kind of gives some people the creeps. But (laughs) it's because they're just these beautiful, nice trees. If you're a big bird, like a turkey vulture, it's the best place to roost.
0: And it's usually pretty quiet.
1: It is, yeah. There isn't a whole lot of cars racing around and honking of horns and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's... They're just nice places for birds and sewage ponds who have open water very often. So that's a good thing for birds if they need water. Uh, Harvey Benson, Harvey is from Harmony. He said, uh, when Bonita left this morning, she heard the red-winged blackbird singing. Even with my hearing aids on, I don't hear many birds except crows and Canada geese. When my mother got her first hearing aids some um, many decades ago, and they were not such good hearing aids then. The first thing she said was, I can hear birds again. Aww. Yeah, that, that one got me too. Uh, Don Anderson of Albert Lee said that he was impressed with the beauty of a starling. And I, I agree with him. But they change plumages and change bill colors, and uh, they're really beautiful birds. Uh, Rodney Hatley of Otana sent me a story from The Guardian. A catastrophe as france's bird population collapses due to pesticides team hawk watch this would be from jim Amundson of lake crystal he said on thursday he said well today i forgot the boy scouts motto be prepared the raptors are coming in very high and fast i didn't have my reclining chair and looking straight up gets hard on the back Oh, and I forgot my phone. It was our second best day. We had approximately 300 swans, two blue herons, and 20 sandhill cranes, four pelicans. Uh, for the raptors, there were uh, three turkey vultures, 43 bald eagles, two sharp-shinned hawks, 13 red-tailed hawks, one rough-legged hawk, one peregrine falcon, and one unidentified. Uh, Kurt Russell of New Ritzland said the wetlands on his farm are filled with tundra swans. Sylvia and Larry uh, Siebenbergen of Hollandale saw a common red pole in their yard. Uh, Russ Howenstein, who listens from Blanco, Texas, asked, when deer drop their antlers? Uh, most of the whitetail bucks in Minnesota have shed their antlers around mid to late January. There are always exceptions, and I know I, I talked to a friend the other day, said he saw a buck with antlers on yet. Uh, southern deer drop their antlers later, but I'd expect most of them have been cast by late March or early April.
0: Hey, I've got a question about deer sure. antlers because you know people will want to catch that big twelve-point buck or whatever. Well, how come some can get twelve points and others only six points? I mean, do some not shed their antlers, or do they just grow bigger horn or antlers, or how does that work? Because you know, if they if they shed them every year, I would think that they're Should either be all 8 points or 12 points or something?
1: Yeah, and a lot of it is nutrition. Some of it is age. And then some of it is the uh, amount, if they have, good feed. Uh, so it, there's a nutrition that comes into play there too. So, so you should feed your
0: your deer if you want to get ones hanging around with big animals? No, no,
1: <laughs> probably not. I, I, you know, I know a lot of people like feeding deer and things, but I, I don't think it's a, a good idea. But But that's me. It just seems to cause more problems than it does good.
0: Because why do some then just have little nubs maybe or something? Do they just, I mean, are they just born different times? It seems like they should all kind of be on the same cycle, I would think.
1: Yeah, well, there's an age difference, again, with some of these uh, bucks. So you'll see a lot of them are much bigger and just stronger animals. So a lot of it is that, and I'm would guess genetics would have a great amount to play in there I oh. imagine if your dad had uh, was a 12 pointer you probably got a pretty good shot at being that when you grow up and if you, you know if you can avoid getting hit by a bewicker shot
0: but but they all shed every every season so yep. so they're growing yep. those 12 pointers every year then well or maybe it gets bigger as they get older
1: yep okay. So it's pretty cool, and it's become quite a hobby for a lot of people to go out and pick up sheds, they're called, Mm -hmm. S-H-E-D-S, and they go out and look to try to find all the uh, sheds that they can, and you see them at uh, hobby shows and flea markets where they make them into uh, every kind of wall hanging. Or
0: or uh, lamps or or light uh, fixtures?
1: Yep, or a place to hang your hat or clothes coat or other clothes so yeah it's got to be quite a quite a sport you know with as much luck-
0: time we spent in the woods i would never found a some antlers i don't know if i never looked in the right place but we used to be in the woods a lot you know collecting maple sap cutting woods but I, I i mean and there were deer around but i don't know why i just never found any
1: i was lucky going to get the cows i always found some every year so it was and i suppose a lot of it is just um they probably have places where they go. If you've been a deer that's been around for a while, Buck, you probably have your favorite place to get rid of those things, too. Huh. I'm not sure. There is a Bluebird Recovery Program of Minnesota Annual Expos coming up Saturday, April 14th. Uh, registration will begin at 8 and a program at 9 at Cannon Falls High School and if you'd like any more information uh you can well you can register online if you just do bbrp uh, it's like burp only with two b's and no u bbrp.org and they'll have all kinds of wonderful presenters and vendors and if you're um if you're already a bluebird landlord or if you just like to maybe get started and Uh, Start out with one box or something and see how it goes. This would be the place to go because they will will inform and educate. Uh, How big a litter does a coyote have, somebody asked. Uh, Typically, five to seven pups are born in April. And when they're eight to 12 weeks old, their mother teaches them to hunt. And from autumn till midwinter, the pups will leave the den and search for their own territories. And when I was in Kansas, I went out to, boy, uh, oh, was a Lake Perry or Perry Lake? I can never remember which side the lake goes on that name. And I was looking at Franklin's gulls and a pretty good-sized flock of American tree sparrows. And um, it was a phoebe. And all of a sudden, I looked out in this. It's so dry there that a lot of the lake bottom is dried, dried. It's just dried dirt. It's not even mud anymore. And there was a coyote right in the middle of that, staring at me, saying, "What are you up to there? Or what are you?" And then uh, I flipped my binoculars over to look at him, and then of course he took off on the run because I suppose he thought he that guy's gonna shoot at me or something. So away he went. But it, it was pretty cool seeing him there. There. They're beautiful animals. I I like coyotes. Somebody, uh, I get this question a lot, but it's a great question. How much can a bald eagle carry? And, um, well, they can carry a five-foot branch. Um, They can carry probably 25% of their weight right around in there. And my neighborhood bald eagles here weigh 8 to 13 pounds. The female will be quite a bit larger than the male. So about twenty-five percent of that. So,
0: so if you're a cat hear. or a toy toy pup dog or something, you should be leery when you see a one of those coming.
1: Yes, and uh, I think particularly cats, because um, you know even if they can't carry them away, they can still do great harm. Mm-hmm. Or and uh, yeah, they could probably kill a cat without much problem. Great horned owls might be more of a problem for cats than are bald eagles but boy if you're a cat you don't want to deal with either one of those birds cuz nothing good's gonna come out of it i watched uh, a tiger the other day at a zoo and uh, they act just like my house cat just everything you know and uh, So I'm going up there and I'm talking to it because the tiger's never had anybody talk to him at the zoo. Only about 10,000 people a day come in there and talk to that tiger. Was this
0: through the glass, so could it really hear you?
1: Um, Yeah, there was glass, and then on the side there was uh, like really the big mesh kind of wire on Uh, there.
0: So it could hear you.
1: Oh, he could hear me. And he looked at me for a little while, and then he yawned. (laughs) So it was just like talking to my cat. She'll just go, yeah, 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 and then yawn and waddle off somewhere. So, And this guy did kind of the same thing. He said, yeah, I've heard enough of this guy, and away he went. So <laughs> that was the end of my talk with the tiger. But
0: I enjoyed
1: it, and I, and I couldn't help but thinking about Tony the tiger for Frosted Flakes. That's while I was great. Talking to him. Yep. Boy, that was a uh, very effective advertising, Tony the Tiger. So.
0: Well, nothing better than sugar covered
1: flakes. <laughs> yeah, that's. I <laughs> I just spent a few days in the hotel, and you come down, and they have the continental breakfast, and um, I get raisin bran. But at home, I always put honey on it, and I should have taken a bottle of honey along, because of course they didn't have it at the hotel, or I should have bought a bottle somewhere. I had to put a little sugar on it, and it, it wasn't as good. Just,
0: you should have just mixed in some of those frosted flakes because, I mean, there's plenty of sugar in those.
1: I, get, you know, I don't know what, I think they had Lucky Charms or something. Oh, the well, the one.
0: marshmallows some, are pure sugar, too.
1: Yeah, it was some brightly colored thing, and I, I got to stick with the Raisin brand. But I need just a touch of sweetness there to sweeten me up a little bit in the morning, and there wasn't anything to put on there. One day I was in a hotel, and the guy put orange juice on his cereal
0: oh i've done that accidentally you know you're tired and and it's i've dumped it out it's it's not tasty i don't like that
1: this guy was eating it oh well yeah i had to ask him i said orange juice yeah i like it he said that was the end of our conversation (laughs) it was sweet yeah (laughs) but he might i thought later you know he might have done that accidentally just being a guy he didn't want to admit it right that might have been it I hope everybody will make it to the cafe today where the food chain is missing a few links. A special is always a Heimlich maneuver and gravy is considered a beverage and now featuring authentic leftovers with less hair in the food and real cup holders where grease is good and none of the food smells like feet. Well, hardly any of it. I accompanied my parents to a viewing. and Today we kind of seem to call them visitations, but back then it was either a viewing or a wake. And this one was for an older fellow who'd lived far away. My parents knew him when they were young, and I, I hadn't known him. At least I don't think I knew him at all. I was a young whippersnapper who just started attending wakes of deceased individuals who I would swear their average age had been slightly over 127 years. <laughs> they were just all really old people, and and I didn't know them, but it was An obligation. You went with your mom and dad, and you went to pay your respects. And as we shuffled by the casket, my mother looked down, and everybody paused for a while, and she said, he looks good. (laughs) And my father agreed, just nodded, and I said, he looks dead. (laughs) I missed the next couple of wakes. I went on the uh, DL list as far as wakes went. Uh, Remember, folks, Heartland is well worth driving past. Uh, Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Karen, thank you so very much. I enjoyed your company, and thanks, everybody, for listening to KMSU.
0: Hey, Al, thank you, and happy bird watching. Talk to you next week.
1: Thanks, Karen.
0: All right, bye-bye.